0: Don't be afraid to be that change you wish to see. Don't let what has happened in the past or historically keep you away from the goals that you have and the dreams that you have. You can still go forth and chase what it is that you want and make sure that you are living the life that you wanna live without having any fear that People are going to stop you because there are people in the positions that you want to be in who look and sound and talk just like you.
1: Welcome to The Scaries brought to you by Razor Co. I'm Sky, And I'm Talitha. We are proudly broadcasting from Treaty 4 Territory here in Regina. In each episode, we tackle the alarming, inconceivable, questionable, shocking, and scary statistics relating to impacting and intervening with the lives of women and girls worldwide. You'll hear the scary truth, take away tools and
2: tips and learn about what you can do about it. And uh, really, the scary is an opportunity to raise awareness and use our voices as women and supporters of women to make some real change. Um, All the opinions and um, stories shared on this uh, podcast are purely our own or our guests. And um, this is for entertainment
1: purposes only. So please be aware that the things we'll be sharing could be triggering to you. So please listen with caution. As straight, cisgender, white, able-bodied settler women, we are aware of the privilege that we have. And we want to use this platform to spread awareness about the scary reality women from around the world face in different life situations. Why? Because sometimes nothing is scarier than being a woman.
2: Good day to you all. Um, so I don't know about you, but I'm freezing. And where we are, it's like minus a million. And we had a it's, really uh, mild Christmas. So it's, it's like, like uh,
1: It's actually minus 40. And so like if you're in the States or anywhere else in the world, minus 40 is minus 40. Yeah. It's like, minus it is, 40.
2: It is chilly. And That's is. why we're so... That's hence the outfits here, but (laughs) uh, we have some exciting, uh, exciting, really exciting topics to chat about today, Mm -hmm. and it's um, something I think you'll all be very entertained by. But and to kick us off on that note, um, I heard a very interesting factoid recently about. Or specifically for the Swifties out there. I know there are Ooh. many. I do not identify as a Swiftie, but there are many I'm like out a there. Swiftie adjacent, I would yeah. say.
1: Like, I'm like, I can, I respect. I'm not like a diehard, like going to go to like every era's tour that ever existed. Yeah. Like yeah. I've ha- happily watched the movie though.
2: Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm like,
1: I would, I like, i like Taylor
2: Swift. Mm-hmm. I think she's cool. And like, I li- would like, if I got a free ticket, a hundred percent would go, but totally. I, I'm just yeah. not something to like wait in line. But anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> digress. Yeah. The factoid is right now, taylor swift is one of the highest paid women entertainers in the entire world Oh, hot right now biggity. i believe that so according to a recent analysis from bloomberg bloomberg released in october 2023 miss swift has officially entered the three comma club so she's oh, a billionaire the three commas and i she's like like, a couple commas our age like she's in her 30s she somewhere. just turned 34 yeah yeah in december yep yeah. so I mean, I haven't seen her bank account. I can't uh, confirm or deny this is exactly true, but I'm pretty sure it is. We've seen it at a couple different sources. Um, and this is all calculated based on her real estate portfolio, her music catalog, her ticket and merchandise sales, her music streaming earnings, her music royalties. So I believe it uh, from all of the things And her last tour mm-hmm. selling like crazy. Uh, this is all s- sitting around $1.1 billion. This is where she's at for net worth. So... Along with the heiress tour that was broken, that broke the internet a couple times. Literally. Tay Tay is on a lot on people's minds and not only for her music, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, She's angered the Chads, the Brads, the Dads (laughs) uh, by dating Travis Kelsey. How yeah. he pronounced?
1: Yeah. He's okay.
2: she put him on the map. And oh. I will
1: not hear otherwise. No. Okay. Apparently he's like cool. a very famous football player oh. before they started dating. I don't, we follow, don't know. I don't yeah. follow football, so I'm like but, is
2: Kelsey. Kelsey, I don't know. It is Kelsey. And you know. I'm definitely not into I don't follow a lot of this, this popular culture stuff, <laughs> but clearly we do our research. So yeah. um she's not Everyone's biggest fan for those reasons, and as a re- as of recently, January 9th, uh, Fox News suggested that oh. she's a psyop. What I is know what that is? A psyop, <laughs> because she posted the link to register to vote uh, in the U.S. presidential election on her social.
1: Okay, wait, that's like psyop sounds like like a robot Cyclops. or something. Yeah, like that's what I'm thinking of, like a one big old like eyeball. Like, what is that? Why?
2: So it's actually um, basically. Allegedly, that she has been um, chosen, or she's working with the government or like military ops um, to influence people's voting oh habits, my right? So God. they're saying this isn't. We don't know. If this is a no. fact or not? I mean, she just literally said, "Go vote," which doesn't tell you for who. I mean, she's she's known to align to a certain party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just go vote. But anyway, people are like, "Ooh, she's working with the government. Oh she's being God. paid to sway people's votes because she has a major following obviously." So, I don't know about that. But anyway, you can make your own decision there. As if. Um, but at the end of the day, she is huge. Like you can't you yeah. can't go past any news article in the
1: last month without seeing her name a couple times. So, yeah. No, she's honestly done very well. Um, the fact that she's 34, I'm like, "What have I done?" <laughs> You've done a lot. <laughs> I know it's and I mean can't compare I've not dedicated myself to being a musician so uh there's that I don't know why I think I should be a famous musician but anyways um but she also wasn't the only one who has done a lot of really great things this summer and I just want to pay tribute to our lord and savior Beyonce mm. uh because Beyonce had a really fantastic summer as well um her ele- apparent net worth again don't haven't seen the bank account but i can assume is around 540 million according to a june 2023 forbes article um and i imagine that didn't even really take into account like the whole renaissance tour and like the movie and everything that came after well, that. Well,
2: look who she's married to. I mean, there. that's not the whole yeah.
1: household income,
2: a, I don't A billion think. dollars yeah, on the elevator. Probably. Yeah,
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the thing that bothered me the most about all of this news this summer was that the media pinned Taylor and Beyonce against each other. And like from CNN, like I was looking up these articles from CNN to Forbes, it seemed like every media outlet had something to say about these two and like compare them and like who's better and like what everything else and then when they went and like taylor swift and beyonce went and shook everyone to their core because then they supported each other right. and the media was like oh my god and like freaked out even more and had like a huge field day about it
2: it was absolutely insane. why is it so mind-blowing that women are supporting each other and like what? This is the thing: collaboration over competition. Like every single day. This is why we're in the situation we're in with so many mean girls and things like that. Oh yeah, because we're perpetuating this behavior.
1: Totally. Yeah, Come I 100 agree. But yeah, okay. So it's not to go into a tangent for a minute, but I want to go on a tangent for a minute. Um, this is a, just a tale as old as time. Like when multiple women are in positions of power or fame or notoriety or like have sway over something, it seems like this narrative bubbles up that women can there can only be one like Mm -hmm. you have to compete against each other so for instance like from tv shows like bridgerton and movies like mean girls Mm -hmm. i mean that's a great movie, um, but they reinforce the idea that there's typically only one woman who gets the guy, and there's one who can rule the school, and there's one who's considered the best. Like there can only be one. The rest of the female characters are often then portrayed as like the competitors or like the sidekicks. The like they're, yeah, they're there to just like support the star. Mm-hmm. Um, but consequently, then what we see on the screen is tend to how we like shape our perspective in life, what and so then we're like, oh, like there can only be one. Um, but for Taylor and Beyonce, these two literally could not be further apart in terms of like artists. Like if you like different genres, everything like I, some research I saw said, you know, like, and I don't know this, I wouldn't say like I stand behind this hundred percent, but like Taylor represents like white feminism and like has like a very specific, you know, like she Goes to, like the down home, like country girl kind of thing, whereas Beyonce represents like Black feminism and like Black power and like all these other things, like the Black experience, and like it's just it's so different. Different
2: target audiences altogether, and they're different ages, yeah. and yeah. just like
1: everything, yeah. But anyways, they are still compared, and I literally this is which what we I just hate tearing down other women just to build that another one up.
2: Yep, happens everywhere you go, music industry or not. No, nope. we see it. So
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, case okay, so my tangent is over. I'm sorry. Thank you for letting me have that for a second. But while these two women have made a huge strides in their career and have made a huge impression on the music industry, the music industry continues to be male dominated. Uh, so to the average listener, this may not seem to be the case, because I think that like everywhere you hear a lot of women on the radio and that sort of thing. However, when you look at the data, which we will do for you today, you'll see that women are seriously being left out of the equation across the industry.
2: And I mean, it's no secret that women face everywhere in every industry, like underrepresentation everywhere we go when we compare to male and male counterparts. But this is huge, specifically in the music industry and even more so in the last couple of years, which is even more rare. We're seeing typically some growth in in Mm -hmm. industries and male dominant industries, but not Not here.
1: Not in this one. Yeah, no, totally. So for this episode, we're going to be referencing the Annenberg report a lot. So I think that first we'll just define what that is, um, just so that you understand what we're talking about. So as the world's leading think tank studying diversity and inclusion in the entertainment industry specifically, the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, based out of the University of Southern California, publishes data-driven and theory-based research to offer targeted insight and solutions that tackle inequality in the media. So, like, honestly, couldn't have asked for a better oh, <laughs>
2: report. Yeah. It's like exactly what <laughs> yeah. everything
1: we'll be referencing in a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has everything that we needed. These reports are considered the go-to for these studies. So we'll be diving deeper into a few different iterations of the study. There's been a few over the years. So the amount of top-selling women artists in the U.S. actually increased in 2022, mm. but the proportion of women songwriters making any commercial impact is still very dismal. According to the Annenberg report, while the amount of women represented in Billboard's Year-end Hot One Hundred chart, which tallies the most kind of m- most commercially successful songs of the year, uh, that number jumped twenty-eight point seven percent last year to a total of thirty percent. So, like that's actually a very significant jump, yeah. But only fourteen percent of songwriters represented on the chart were women, and a slight decrease from the twenty twenty-one statistic, which uh, which was fourteen point three percent. So the 30% representation, however, marks a new high for the amount of female artists on the year end chart over the last decade. But the statistics for female songwriters and producers have largely stayed the same over the last 10 years. Of Mm. the 200, I know you're like, "Mm, great. (laughs) Of the 232 producers represented on the year end chart, only 3.4% were women and one producer was non binary. Wow! Yeah. Since 2012, the beginning of the reporting period for the Annenberg Report, so they didn't have, obviously, reports before then, the amount of female songwriters represented in the Billboard year-end chart has never been higher than 14.4%. And that was in 2019. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The peak amount of female producers represented on the chart also came in 2019 when 5% of producers on the year-end list were women. I can't like what was That's happening in 2019. I know, I know. I can't what even was happening? who I it feels like so long ago.
2: But don't, producers, I mean I don't know if I know can name any producers. No, but I mean personally. like that was also when the
1: song like that was also when the, the artists are, yeah, true. only 30%, but still. Yeah. So the Annenberg report suggests that while gains made for female artists represented in the charts are promising, which is good, women behind the scenes still face major barriers to inclusion. It suggests that women are stereotyped in terms of the types of songs and genres they can create and the roles that they can play. They are sexualized and their talents and experiences are discounted Mm -hmm. great news uh and that the programs that support women to build experience in music may be vital to increasing the participation and success of women in the industry which yes 100 percent, we need more support for sure for women songwriters and producers the needle has not moved very far uh for the last decade in particular women of color are virtually shut out of producing the most popular songs each year yeah (laughs) We know where talented, we know there are talented women from all backgrounds who are not getting access, opportunity, or credit Mm -hmm. for the work in this arena. Also, and sorry, sort of a a side note, but can you guess what were the top two most valuable things for women either trying to get into the music industry or stay in the music industry? Like that were noted in this report. The top two things. To help them stay? Yeah, to help them like succeed. connections (laughs) literally networking and mentorship there you go and those are the exact same things that we discussed in the entrepreneurship episode and what we do at raise her so anyways over over to you so
2: these are discouraging to say the Mm -hmm. least um for many women artists out there like to think about things going declining and really not moving the last 10 years it's pretty hard to hard pill to swallow so even those though who are starting out knowing the statistics of male versus female artists is it's it's a letdown and Mm -hmm. i mean but at least you know there's lots of room for improvement so if you're ready to make some change this is the place to do it um and there are a lot a lot a lot of powerful women artists right now that are slowly paving the way for a the newcomers out there so yeah. um you know if you're looking for some strong female role models there they are there there may not be that many but they are dynamos out there so you, you have some hope
1: there is a little bit of hope yeah, yeah exactly in addition to being underrepresented and underrecognized, women in the music industry face barriers of advancement because of their gender In that same Annenberg report, 39% of the respondents reported being stereotyped or sexualized by their male male co-workers. Of 75 respondents who worked in the studio, 39% reported being objectified. Mm. Mm -hmm. 25% were the only woman in the room. And 28% were dismissed. So like ideas being dismissed Mm. or like, yeah. A lot of different things. A 2020 study released by Annenberg surveyed 401 women creatives and found that 64% named sexual harassment and objectification as a major challenge women face in the industry. Wow. 64%, which means like obviously like people are seeing it and experiencing it and everything. I believe it like
2: especially after our Christmas holiday. Yeah. S- a song episode about just how much the music industry is based on objectification and what you look like mm-hmm. and
1: sex selling and that's kind of what it's built on it totally seems. yeah so it's like and I th- it's obviously just perpetuated then as well yeah so the inaugural women in the mix study which presents the results from a survey designed to examine the socioeconomic landscape of women and non-binary people working in music industry across the united states so again like a very perfect study for us to look at, surveyed 1,600 women and non-binary people to identify tra- trends in their shared experiences. And the study demonstrated the prevalence of discrimination in the industry as 77% of respondents said they were treated differently because of their gender. Wow. Yep. And 56% be- believed their employment in music was affected by their gender. Wow. In
2: 2024. Yeah.
1: Like, this is this is the stuff where you go back to when people say there's no gender
2: inequality yeah. today. This is the this is the studies that you hand over. Yeah, wow.
1: Just just send them a DM them our episode and that yeah, would be great. Exactly. <laughs>
2: So not only are women in the music industry underrepresented, they're also underpaid. Shocker. Mm, Good. (laughs) Statistics published by Music Business Worldwide shed some light on the matter of the pay gap in the music industry, where in the United Kingdom, the statistics show that women artists under Universal, Sony, and Warner's UK companies make almost 30% less money than their male artists within the same companies. Oh, my God. 30%. And with an average of making seventy cents to every dollar that a male makes. So that's wow. way
1: lower than like what just the average regular old, you know, pay gap like, is. Right. In yeah, the overarching it
2: across all the industries. That's yeah, yeah like almost almost half, really. Yeah. That's Ooh. not good. The bigger letdown was finding out that women artists also earn eighty eight percent less in their bonus. I don't know if this is a bigger letdown, but this is another letdown that they earn 88% less in their bonuses compared to male artists. That's really disheartening. This is where I wonder because it's very like, Individualize like this is your your you know everyone has their own talent and it's quantified differently. Yeah, true. So it's it's I feel like almost more subjective to compare. But like true, what makes a male's voice more valuable than a female's? Right, right. Like how do you ever compare a vo- like how do you put a price on a voice or a no or a talent or a art? Right. Well, and it's like but just their overall like who, yeah commercial that, yeah. Right, but it's also like in general, why are women's voices less valuable? Is it just because we're expected? to be able to sing because it's not like a new <laughs> newfangled thing. Men should just, it's cool if a man can do it, but a woman, yeah, like everyone, all women can sing lullabies to their babies. Like, I don't know why that is. I just
1: feel like also women though. I mean, this is very generalized, but like women also have to like look the part. Oh, 100%. whereas like, there's some, there's some dudes out there who. Yeah. So looking at the same women in
2: the mix publication, here are some other big takeaways from the study relating to okay. pay inequities and the pay gap. So women feel overworked and underpaid. Wow. Wow. 57% of them uh, have two or more jobs. Oh God. 24% are working between 40 to 51 hours per week. And an additional 28% are working over 50 hours a week. So they're working their butts off. They're working several jobs just to make ends meet. And they're like still seemingly famous and celebrities, but still having to work several jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Music creators and performers see the lowest income and highest dissatisfaction with career progress. Among the various job classifications in the study, and of the respondents that identified as music creators and performers, forty eight point six percent, almost half said that they made less than forty thousand dollars per year. That how is, are you even living on that? Like I mean, in this economy,. That's, that percentage is roughly fifteen percent higher than within the entire respondent pool. Oh God. And approximately 57% of music creators felt that they should be further along in their careers compared of to course. those working in music education, about 48.5%, or the event tour production and management promotion um, businesses, or the music business in general, and the music and media technology. So there's so many different like, sectors within yeah. the music industry, but yeah, that one area is just booming. <laughs> not creator specifically, where really yeah. that's like the nuts and bolts of success yeah. of a song is the creators. I totally. Believe. Yeah. Um, so non-binary respondents also face heightened levels of adversity where they uh, are less satisfied than respondents who identified as women by a 16% margin. Oh, They were twice as likely to make less than 40% p- per year and felt less comfortable in the workplace by a margin of almost 18%. And this is a common theme we're saying in pretty much every episode we mm-hmm. have when we look at the intersectionalities of people and gender expression. And every time it's like exponentially higher for people of different genders than
1: male or female yeah yeah so yeah yeah and the the data and the statistics like very clearly show that women have a harder time oh yeah (laughs) breaking into the music industry and are you know are paid less than men and are provided less opportunities for recognition and advancement those bonuses that you talked about and not only that but women in the music industry often face more severe gender-based discrimination because of the prevalence of relationship relationship-based hiring so like if you know somebody Mm -hmm. the gender stereotypes and the practice of underpaying experience inexperienced artists or like i would say arguably so like inexperienced kind of like anybody which is the uh like the interns of the world and all that kind of stuff. Um, So the music industry has traditionally relied on informal hiring procedures based largely on personal relationships. And it can be quite difficult for outsiders to get their foot in the door. And one kind of anecdotal story is one woman jazz musician reported that people would often hire their male friends over equally or more skilled women. So just like, just because it's fun. They're It's a fun place to work. Yeah, yeah. Their bro will be there, but yeah, not someone who mm-hmm. can actually like do the job effectively. The Annenberg data show that men are disproportionately placed in positions of power in the industry, and they hire men at a disproportionate rate. This boys' club, quote unquote, mentally fosters this chronic underrepresentation of women in music. And I think that I mean, again, that's like across all sectors, oh, yeah. but I think probably very still very prevalent and encouraged in the music industry.
2: Well, on top of that, women in the music industry also battle the stereotypes, the mm-hmm. common stereotypes that were unconscious biases and microaggressions that are often used as gender discrimination. Um Women in music report being given work that is rooted in gender roles, such mm-hmm. as the cliche of women possessing good communication and people skills, and men traditionally being seen as the decision makers and the assertive ones. Um, and additionally, women are often forced to work in uncomfortable or hostile work environments as 39% of, an, of Annenberg respondents were sexualized, objectified, or stereotyped at work. Women already face tremendous barriers when it comes to entering the industry in general, which are already worsened by the prospect of facing harassment or mistreatment in the workplace every day. And it's just like they almost... Because there's so few women in there, it's like, well, I'm so lucky to be here. I'll just have to deal with it to stay. Right. And that's so unfortunate.
1: Yeah. No, it's absolutely wild. Uh, Another study we came across in our research for this episode underscored that while 81% of industry professionals and creators believe that discrimination exists in the music industry, just under 60% believe that gender based discrimination is a major problem in the music industry. So they're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's not that big of an issue. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, gender is a major factor that Dictates the belief in gender discrimination so (laughs) of course Uh, so while 73% of women and 83% of non-binary individuals believe discrimination exists in the music industry only 39% Mm -hmm. of the men surveyed believe the same and because of these thought disparities we thought we should bring in someone real with real-world experience to chat with us Okay, so we are so excited to have Katie Salu joining us today. Welcome, Yay! Katie. At- So let me tell you a little bit about this fantastic woman. She is a Canadian Hot 100 songwriter with an honours diploma in entertainment business management from Metalworks Institute of Sound and Music Production. She has worked with various recording labels and agencies while based in Toronto. She has served as a Juno Awards judge and has been a factor juror for a number of years. She enjoys dedicating time to consult with artists to help with grants marketing, songwriting, beat selection, and the list goes on. And since moving back home to Saskatchewan, she has completed a Master of Public Policy degree from the University of Regina and has since been working in regulation. So like when we say she's qualified people, (laughs) she's very, very qualified. And she's from Saskatchewan. Yes, and she's from Saskatchewan. So welcome. Thank you for being here.
2: You're welcome.
0: Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure to get the invitation.
1: I'm really looking forward to this because I know that you're going to have some juicy stories to tell. Um, but as we do with all of our guests, we want to start with some rapid fire questions just to like get the ball rolling. Okay. Um, we say they're rapid fire, but they tend to get very deep anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> just ignore that. Okay. Um, okay but first question, yeah. best piece of advice that you've ever received?
0: Oh, that's a good question.
1: <laughs> like you know? really quick, so fast to mm-hmm. just roll off the tongue. You know, and I
0: actually have a rapid answer. Okay, The best piece of advice I've ever received is do it scared.
1: Ooh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) good for the scary as (laughs) well.
0: Do it scared. That's gotta be our tagline. You know, I like that. Once I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, there's no excuse. Like, there's no reason not to do something. Everybody who's become an expert was a beginner Mm -hmm. at some point. So, if there's something that you wanna do, and you feel fearful of it, do it scared anyways. And at some point, the fear will go away. So mm-hmm. I think that's my answer to that question. That one oh. I had
1: on the tip of my tongue. They're oh, that was I good. That. I like that. Do it scared. That is, I'm mean, I'm. gonna maybe take that now. Yeah, okay. Sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have my permission. <laughs> and, and there's two. <laughs> Copyright. Okay, perfect. <laughs>
1: Okay, second, so uh, earlier in the episode, we talked about um, the Taylor Swift, Beyonce beef and how like the media pit them against each other because there's women, they're women mm-hmm. because there can only be one woman who's of really course. good at her job. So our would you rather question is, would you rather have the impact of T-Swift or Beyonce?
0: Beyonce.
1: Mm, yeah, no, like- Beyonce.
0: And I say that uh, just based on longevity. I mm-hmm. don't discount Taylor Swift's impact and the success of her career. Am I a fan mm-hmm. of her music? No. Do I know the words? Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. you do. Yeah. Will I sing narrative. along? Yeah. If, will I sing along if it's loud enough? I will. Yeah. But uh, just thinking of like my own life, mm-hmm. you know, we've had Beyonce since we were oh, God. kids. Mm-hmm. Like we were doing like air bands to her stuff in elementary school. So just based off of that alone, it's, yeah. it's, it's, Team Bayhive has to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, also like when we were talking about the Taylor Swift and Beyonce, when I was doing this research, it was like, they couldn't be more different. Oh, I know. And it's even in
0: in age, like not even in like career span, but just in age. And I'm not sure why that's become such a like point of contention to see who's better than who. I never understood it, but timeliness makes sense they're both yeah. doing big things at the same time but i don't think that there should be like be a comparison they're no. both great so exactly. it's not an either or thing to me anyways but no
1: just because they're women yeah. i will yeah leave it sure. at that yeah yeah <laughs> i know i know it okay and last but not least and we ask this to everyone but what is your scary so like what's mm. the thing that like keeps you up at night what scares you what you know propels you to keep going forward what makes you mm. do it scared
0: I would say, you know, not leaving an impact, like not having made mm-hmm. some sort of change, not having driven change in some way. And that can be like on an individual level mm-hmm. with just a friend or a family member or on a bigger scale, like in terms of community, but not having any meaning to, you know, the time that, you know, I spend on earth and the time mm-hmm. that I spend working in my active years. I would say like I want the time that I spend in the work that I do to be memorable. And if it's not, then I'm just like, or if they sorry, if there's a chance that it's not, I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, what a, what a waste. It's your legacy, that's right? That's exactly. All. When you're exactly.
2: gone, that's what people are going to remember. remember. you yeah, by, yeah, And yeah. that's
0: really the key. So I think I sometimes get fearful, like, okay, you know, am I doing enough or am I doing enough heavy lifting for the people around me and in the groups that I'm in mm-hmm. that when I'm gone, they can say like this is what she did and this is what she was known
1: for I love that I think also because you know you choose to sp- well not necessarily everyone can choose but like you're taking time out of your life that you're sp- you could be spending with your family and your friends mm-hmm. and yeah. your loved ones and your son and everything um and going to spend those daylight hours with people so you might as well make sure that there's like a good impact there mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's worth your time that's right okay incredible well yes. now we're gonna you know get into the real stuff yeah all right here we go. So okay. I'm going to pass it off to Sky to lead these ones. All right.
2: So our first hot question for you is: Can you share some stories, some experiences you've had um, concern concerning specifically the gender pay gap in the music industry, and how have you navigated and observed those those challenges throughout your career?
0: Yeah. So we were talking about this, you know, a little bit earlier. Um, and just PSA. Before anybody comes into the comments and comes (laughs) looking for me, okay, these are my own personal experiences. And please don't extrapolate this to, you know, uh, a wider uh, audience or, Mm -hmm. you know, industry setting. But um, the music industry is an industry just like every other. And also they call it, you know, the music business. It is Mm -hmm. a business just like every other business. That being said, the same issues that plague every other business that lead us to conversations like this plague the music industry. The same kind of social faux pas exist in the music industry that exist everywhere else. Don't talk about your salary. Don't mm-hmm. have conversations with other mm-hmm. people about what you were offered or how much you make or what type of work you do. So in that sense, they're is not a ton of transparency in my experience because, you know, the time that I was starting out, you're just happy to be there. Right. Right. And you. Thankful for the opportunity. Thankful oh, for yeah. getting, getting <laughs> yeah. paid an experience. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're first starting out and, you know, you might be an intern somewhere mm-hmm. or you might be on a placement from school and you build from that. And I'm not discounting those experiences. And I think they're valuable to a point. Even the time that I started in the music industry, which would have been about 2009, we were already seeing a decline in music revenue. That was the era where we were pretty much removed from physical sales and we were getting into digital stuff. Mm -hmm. So the money that was coming in was different than the money that was coming in 10 years ago when it was all of us rushing out to HMV in the Cornwall right, to right. buy yeah. our favorite CDs <laughs> when we knew that that they were, they were coming out. Yeah. So it is not a particularly lucrative industry and that is for artists and creatives and the business people alike. Mm-hmm. So I think anybody at this point who enters into that realm is aware that it is not a big payday it's not a big paycheck you're not about to hit six figures in three years like you would if you were you know a petroleum engineer right Right. yeah so that being said um not being comfortable to have those conversations with others and to say like hey okay how much are you making okay this is what I do this is how much I'm making knowing that that was um tasteless or a bit uncouth just like it is in every other industry kind of keeps you a bit isolated in terms of realizing like kind of where, where you stand, Mm -hmm. but the overall atmosphere and the overall perception from everybody was just like, we're not making enough money, but you're compensated by your passion, right? Because Mm -hmm. you like what you're doing and you want to be there and this is your dream. So yeah. Will you take 400 bucks a week? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right because that's what you want to do and you're mm-hmm. interested in it and I'm not saying that that's a bad trade off it's not yeah uh if you love what you do then you might be satisfied with that and at the time I was and it was 2009 like we're talking you know what is that 15 <laughs> years ago now yeah. at this point
1: where and rent also doesn't seem real
0: i know it's it's a, it's a yeah. stark a stark realization yeah. but uh you know things were different at that time right yeah, totally. like things cost A lot less, Less. yeah. Yeah. So you might have been able to make it, and you know, at that time I was nineteen, so I could live off of whatever. I can't even remember what I was eating at that time, and I swear my mom had a conversation with me. Yeah, Yeah. she's like, "How did you survive?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't. Yeah. What did I eat? Because it couldn't have been these grocery prices. No, God.
1: There's no way. Not a real vegetable for sure. Definitely not.
0: So either way, I'm here, so I made it. I survived. (laughs) Survived. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but the same things uh, that exist, you know, across the board for women existed in the music industry and at that time. So you kind of observe that you're probably not getting paid as much as you should, but you love what you're doing and this is something that you're passionate about. So, like I said, you make up for it in terms of your your fulfillment, which I did. But um, I think there was a general understanding that... You're being severely underpaid Mm -hmm. and you just chalked it up to the fact that, well, the industry is shifting and the revenue streams are shifting and this is just the way that things work. Things are changing. And if you want to be a part of the evolution, then you better suck it up. (laughs)
2: Were you ever, just to go off that, were you ever privy to the numbers? So like if you wrote a song, what the song, how successful it was and what the numbers were bringing in to know then what fraction of that you Mm. got
0: paid? Yeah, so when I hit the Hot 100, we have um, an organization called SOCAN, which is responsible Mm. for paying out the royalties. Mm. For broadcasting. So if your song gets played on the radio, you will get a percentage of how much, I guess, how much airplay you've got. And they've quantified it into a dollar value. That includes music videos, which were popular at that time. Mm -hmm. Not so much Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, And I believe at that time, in terms of radio spins, I think it worked out to less than a dollar.
1: Hmm.
0: And that was in two thousand and nine. Oh, okay. okay, and SoCam pays you quarterly. So at the peak of the song performance, I was making you know a couple thousand bucks every four months, uh, sometimes more than that. And it was funny to see how the trajectory worked. It would peak in Canada, and then it would peak in random European countries. I love, that. and you know <laughs> you just wake up and check your bank account, and you you would see some money, but. Is it, is it fair? No, because you have to think about the splits and this, it might not be anything gender related and just the Mm -hmm. way that it Mm -hmm. works in terms of when you make a song, you've got to split everything if you're doing it the right way before there's ever any money made from the song. You need to split it between the songwriters and the producers and the publishers and the record label, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of pieces of the pie that got to get split up and you better have that shit sorted out before any money comes in yeah and I didn't because I didn't know what the hell I was doing that song just happened to pop and then we were all kind of working um backwards right but uh there's a lot of factors that go into the money that comes from radio play and music video play so in terms of pay in that way um you find often that the artists are stiffed Or the songwriters are Mm. stiffed or the producers are stiffed. Like somebody in that pie is not getting the piece that that they deserve. Mm -hmm. And it's not a fight that everybody has in them, right? Because you've got to go – sometimes you've got to go to lawyers and you've got to argue with everybody who's involved. To get what you deserve. So yeah, Pia, that's the moral of the story is please sort that shit out.
2: <laughs> and is that for every song you do? Yeah. Like every time there's a different song, you have to mm-hmm. go through a contract of
0: um Ugh. You know what I wouldn't I can't say that it would necessarily be um a contract for each song, but there is an agreement. Mm. There would be an agreement on how much each person who's involved in the creation of that song makes a lot of times you would think like okay well x artist sang the song so it's super popular they're getting a ton of money off mm-hmm. of it but you've got to think about who produced it right you've got yeah. to think about their manager you've got to think about their record label you got to think about the people who wrote the song because a lot of times the songwriters and the producers did all the magic and the artist just went in the booth and mm-hmm. basically sang karaoke of what the songwriter demoed. Mm-hmm. Right. So should they get the biggest chunk of the pie? Right. Most likely not. But on the flip side, maybe they should because they're the one who takes the song to new heights. Nobody's listening to it if it's just the right. songwriter's name, right? They're yeah. not a known star or a known and established artist. So there's a lot of things that go into it on the back end. Mm-hmm. And so
1: many factors.
0: So many oh factors. God. And you know, people so don't cool. really people don't really think. About those things, and you don't think about it unless you're in it. Yeah. And in terms of like gender roles, we see a ton of female songwriters who are writing songs for other artists. And then you just randomly pop up on Twitter, and then you'll see like a huge thread of them complaining, like, hey, I haven't been paid for 25 years. Oh, what? Yeah. Or this song, like, I didn't get any royalties, even though it's my voice all over the record. And you're surprised because you're like, you know, how does it get to that point?
1: Mm-hmm. But it's like some Milli Vanilli shit right there, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's just like it's not anything again that is centered on the music industry. What we call that is people taking credit for women's work, and that mm-hmm. happens everywhere.
1: And like the erasure of women in history from so many things, yeah. Um, Okay, so then in your opinion, what factors contribute to the gender pay gap in the music industry? And, you know, are there specific challenges that disproportionately affect women in terms of compensation?
0: I would say that a lot of it is perception, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we can't possibly be as smart as our male counterparts in the room. (laughs) Like, we can't possibly not know what we're talking about. And if we say anything, or if we object or dissent, you know, we're emotional, yeah. Maybe we're on a bad day. Maybe we're having our period, mm-hmm. you know, and it just gets chalked up to kind of a circumstantial thing as opposed to like a more holistic approach where, hey, maybe this woman really knows what she's talking about. And you kind of get boxed into certain roles that are like expected of you at the end of the day when it comes to decision making. I'll preface this by saying it's changing slowly, and I've seen that. Mm -hmm. But traditionally, the power players and the decision makers are men. Mm -hmm. Even if they're dealing with an all-female roster or everybody that reports to them is female, the people who are still in the positions of power are men. And, you know having a ton of women work for you might feel like you know something to stroke your ego or something to flex for you or you've got (laughs) a bunch of girls who you can tell what to do um it comes down to just perception of women and our abilities and our capabilities actually is probably a better word and when you don't fully believe or trust in the talent that your team has or in the contributions that they make And the reasons behind it, whether that's someone smart enough or they're educated enough, or maybe they just have the know-how from, you know, life experience, they tend to get overlooked and their contributions tend to get overlooked. And that takes you to a place where you have all of these great ideas, but somebody either takes them and runs with them or they just get dismissed because Mm -hmm. of your position or because Mm -hmm. of the fact that you're a woman and they don't really feel impressed by you thinking outside of the box. They kind of just want you to to stay in your lane and in your designated role. And that's kind mm-hmm. of the challenge that, you know,
1: I experienced. Okay. I'm dying to know because you've like, it's been a little bit like generalized. Mm-hmm. Was there specifically you talked about like, maybe because you're like on your period or maybe because you get like, was there a situation where you did get like, You know traditionally woman emotional and then they like there was it just felt different from how maybe a man would be treated in that situation yeah
0: i mean well all the time and i wouldn't say that it's like necessarily being emotional it's just more of like you know a personality thing yeah just as women when you are you know outspoken and you're assertive off rip Mm mm-hmm oh my god you're aggressive and Mm -hmm. you know she's bitchy (laughs) and you better be careful and she's a little bit crazy but when you see that with your male counterparts it's oh my god he's a shark yeah Mm -hmm. he's great at what he does Mm -hmm. and there's just again it's a difference in terms of like perception yeah where you know even we we see it kind of normalized even in entertainment where you've got that angry boss in a movie who's smashing a computer and throwing their cell phone at a wall because they got a bad call or a deal didn't go through yeah and god forbid that that is a woman then everything's falling apart and she's probably not a good fit and she's probably not a team player and she's got you know probably emotional regulation issues Mm -hmm. and it's all about like that that kind of dichotomy of who's allowed to act like what and when and what those actions mean. Mm-hmm. In terms of personal experience, I know I mentioned this to you earlier, and it wasn't necessarily about um, any sort of emotional aspect. But, you know, I had been hired to do AR work. So this is not an entry level thing. And about four months Sorry, into define A&R? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Artists and representatives. So it's essentially um, going out and finding new talent. Mm, cool. So back in the day, Very cool. yeah. back in the day, this would be people who go to open mics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, or people who go to concerts and watch for the openers to look and see like, hey, okay, this is somebody who's talented. They could do something for us. And you are basically scouting the scene for people who you could develop. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Not anymore. Now you, ARs are on the internet.
1: Yes. And actually, to
0: be honest, (laughs) TikTok
2: and YouTube and yeah.
0: ARs are virtually obsolete at this point because Mm -hmm. people are getting famous on their own. Mm -hmm. So, and then the labels are coming to them after they've hit, you know, 2 million views or a song has gone viral. So that role kind of diminished Mm -hmm. with the advent of social media. Mm -hmm. Right. But at that time, I had been in that role for about. I would say four months. And, you know, I had some feedback where they were like my boss, who was the founder of the music label that I was working with at the time. And he just said, you know, I would like that you have coffee on my desk when I come in in the morning. (laughs) Oh, and if any... If at any time I was going to get emotional, it would have been that time, and thankfully <laughs> that was email correspondence, so oh, if you was so not in my face, face. I would be
2: like, "Is
1: this real?" <laughs> <laughs> LOL. <laughs> <Yeah>. He he. <laughs> Tee hee. Me too. I would like for you to give me coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like- Wait, actually,
0: honestly, looking back now, it pisses me off. Oh, you know, and when you're in 100%. when you're in the thick of it, and you're that young, and you're just green, and you're hungry, and yeah. you know, you have a kind of fire in your belly to to do shit. Um. You kind of brush it off and then maybe you just say like, yeah, you know what, I'll suck it up and I'll do it because you want to level up, you know, mm-hmm. you you mm-hmm. want to elevate. But I remember how mad it made me because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, hang on, I'm not your receptionist. I'm not your executive assistant. Why the hell would I prep your office for you and have coffee going for you and put a coffee fresh on your desk? <laughs> like that is not what i'm interested in at all and i was one of two women in the office Mm. and i was the newest one of you has to do it exactly and i was like so first of all all you have is a keurig Go get it yourself. Like, right. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's not like, wow, I have it to grab It takes me the
1: same amount of steps as it would take, take you. So, yeah.
0: and you can do it how you like. You yeah. can, based on your appetite for that day, pick the flavor of cake cup that you want, yeah. you know, and then I don't have to get shit on because I gave you hazelnut <laughs> right. and you fucking wanted butterscotch. <laughs> right. Right. Like, you could just do it yourself and, <laughs> and yeah. everybody would be happy. Right. Don't piss me off with this. Yeah. But don't waste I, my time. Yeah. And I yeah. remember thinking at the time, Like, this is stupid, but I sucked it up and I Mm did. Would I do that now? Oh, no, no, no. And if you wanted to see, um, emotional dysregulation. Ask me that on Monday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Ask Katie to get you a coffee. Ask me to prep your coffee in your office on Monday. You know what? I've done some inner work. I might just do it. (laughs) (laughs) now.
1: You're like, I've done some (laughs) self-reflection. And I might just do it now
0: because I don't need to rebel against anything. Like everything that, you know, pisses me off. I've learned about response and reaction. But at that time, it was very rooted in, in... in a a very subtle form of sexism and I caught it at the time but of course I wanted to be successful so Mm -hmm. I was just like okay sure Keurig it is even though like this wasn't in my job description when I signed up and there was actually a whole separate role for that that they chose not to hire and just thought Mm -hmm. oh well Katie can just absorb just do it all just do it all Mm so you know I was um, valued enough that they expanded my role, <laughs> but they mm, expanded right. it into um, relatively low-level aspects that I was not really prepared for.
1: Right, and that you didn't sign up for, and you probably I didn't want to do it either. No, I didn't, didn't want to no, no. no. do it. Yeah,
0: and had you have given me some sort of like performance supplement for your coffees, I might have done it with a better attitude. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that didn't happen.
1: And I think that that just like comes. I mean, whether it's like getting women to do those like um what is it called the like secretarial work like the admin like all women have to do the notes
2: at meetings and like send the agendas and send the meeting requests it's like
1: that secretarial so it's just like you assume that women are going to do that but it's also like that kid those lines can very quickly get blurred into like you know sexual harassment or like anything and women then have that same train of thought of like I, I'm just gonna suck it up, and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna do it. And then, like, then where does it end, and yeah. when does it stop? Yeah. Well, it's a microaggression, right? Yeah. Like they're Very continuing, so. and people aren't. Don't call
2: them out because it's what's been happening for so mm-hmm. long. We just said, "Well, you're so organized. You always do a good job. So continue
1: on, right? Yeah. But yeah. Good Why? job for being so organized. We want to make you get us coffee now too. all the time oh, yeah. now yeah. since you're so good at it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I had this. Um, you know, speaking of kind of the weirdness of it. I had another boss at a different label who liked to eat his meals Uh, With his shirt off because he did not want to stain his shirt. I know, and like again, now that I look back at it, (laughs) when I'm like twenty year old me, I'm like, "Girl, Mm. stand up, Mm. (laughs) stand up, up. get up, stand up, please." Yeah, Uh, but you know, when then he would want to eat without his shirt because he didn't want to stain the nice dress shirt that he was wearing. Get a bib. Yeah, it's
1: like like a napkin.
0: Like all of our toddlers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Preferably a silicone one that right. you can yeah. just rinse in the and sink. You yeah.
1: can per- you can throw it in the dishwasher. It's, it's great. Even,
0: it even catches what yeah. misses your mouth.
1: Yeah. It's built in <laughs> to do everything. Probably even better than removing your shirt, honestly.
0: But then he would, you know, have me order lunch for him. Again, not something I signed up for, but have me order lunch or go get lunch, uh, which at that point, you know, I was just happy to get outside and get a little bit of a break. And sometimes my lunch was included. So yeah, That's that was okay. fine. But then I'd have to give it to him in his office with his shirt off like I don't I don't know if this is really um a core memory no. that I wanna have. I don't know. <laughs> you no. You know, and I, I can see it in in my head now and I need a moment because uh,
1: she's gonna just have just a really yeah, big gulp of wine. I think, yeah, I think that's um. the last sip. <laughs> one big gulp of wine and then uh and then she will be able to continue on because that is absolutely outrageous and i mean I, I know that you're not alone in that and i know that again as you've said like the music industry is not alone in that yeah. either um but i think that there's there's created this like beautiful sheen and like facade around it that people are like i just want to break in i just oh, want to yeah. get into I'll it do and so i'll do anything and yep. it ch- turns into that anything can be costly mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah
2: Okay, so you mentioned in the music industry, as in many industries, you don't really know what other people are making. It's not something yeah. you talk about. Mm-hmm. So has there ever been a situation where you did know that a male counterpart was making more than you, or maybe a male was just treated clearly in a similar role, was treated differently? And how did you navigate that? Mm-hmm
0: so not necessarily that i knew someone was making more than me because like i said that was pretty hush hush and i i'm also just a very private person myself i wanted to get in do my thing and get out and i never really got to a point with coworkers that i ever felt comfortable because i knew that that was just kind of a social faux pas that mm-hmm. it's not really uh something that is encouraging. You never know how the other person's going to respond. If you were to just say, hey, how much do you make? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, how much do you make per year? <laughs> um, however, that being said, I definitely had instances where I knew that I was not only doing more, but more capable
1: mm.
0: of people who were making more money than me. Ugh. And, you know, you got to be careful with stuff like that, because you get that inclination in your gut. And you have to really rein it in because you don't want it to come across in how you interact with that person. Mm, Right. Right. Because it's not their fault. They didn't choose their salary. Maybe they negotiated it. But at the end of the day, they are an employee, you know, just like you. But it can burn a little bit inside where you're just like, oh, my God, like, I know more than you. Yeah. And I could do what you do better than you. But, you know, I'm confined to my role and I'm confined to my pay grade. And what ends up happening, at least in my case, is that it just gets internalized and you metabolize it to work harder and think that if you just do better and do more, then
2: you can get yourself into that position. But that's not always the case. And is that typically with men that you saw that with? Or was that just with like people had the right connections? Yeah, of course. Connections, you know,
0: connections definitely play a big role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they play a big role. But everybody that, you know, I worked with loved what they did. And everybody was intelligent and brought their own shit to the table. So mm-hmm. I can't take that away. I can't say oh, that I sure. ever worked with somebody who is, you know, a complete dummy and right. shouldn't have ever been there. Um, I was very satisfied with everybody that I worked with who is on my level management, mm, not so much. Mm-hmm. But the people who came through the door in terms of other interns or in terms of other like, lower-level employees that I got to oversee or maybe delegate some work to, they were all hungry and passionate and did what needed to be done and, you know, still love them and I'm close with them to this day. But when it comes to knowing what other people's roles are and what they do and what they're capable of, there are plenty of instances where not only me but other female coworkers were just like, you know, that should be me. Mm -hmm. And why isn't it? No, well, I mean, we have, we have our (laughs) suspicions, but
1: you know, we, we never really knew at the time. Right. Mm. I'm really curious. So we've like, obviously talked a lot about the pay gap and like pay equity and all that sort of thing. Um, and earlier we had shared like a lot of stats just like on kind of all the different inequities that exist for women, not just in pay realm. Um, but like in all aspects of like, how many songwriters, like the small percentage of songwriters and the small percentage of producers and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm just wondering what has been your experience with like those kind of like overall discrepancies that exist. So like not just solely focused on pay, but like where you saw people being treated differently based on how they presented their gender.
0: So at that time, it wasn't as prevalent as it is now for people to be as free and as confident To be who they are, Mm -hmm. wherever they may land on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it wasn't welcome because it was, but it just wasn't the way that it is today. And it should have been. Right. But a lot of times, like I said, we would see women, including myself, in any sort of project or in any sort of endeavor that we were taking on, whether that's setting up a tour or doing a music video shoot, where you would see the women get delegated to traditionally female roles and I'm not saying that in the sense that like it's a terrible thing to you know go and get coffee or it's a terrible thing to order lunch and have it set up for everybody but if there's a difference between that and you know being behind the camera and help helping you know position Mm -hmm. you know backup dancers and kind of the meat and potatoes of the actual project you can definitely see it in Mm -hmm. terms of those types of roles Women at the time that I was around, uh, we often not complained, but we made comments to each other about how men would kind of reduce or minimize our contributions or minimize um, our availability to work to give us tasks that were like relatively menial,
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: right? So instead of being able to be actually part of the music video shoot that was going on, it was just, okay, okay order lunch Mm -hmm. or hey can you keep everybody like all the you know extras busy with you know some games or entertain them on the sidelines and
1: babysit yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) you know for lack of a better term and the word babysit didn't come into mind because they were full-blown adults (laughs) right like so you're (laughs) just like okay you know we'll play a game of uno or you know we'll play a game of blackjack with some cards that i bought from dollarama just to keep everybody busy and you don't really think twice about it because your boss is telling you that and you want to keep the shit rolling and you want to contribute to a successful yeah, yeah. project. So you do it. But then when you look back in hindsight, and you're like, OK, well, I know my skill set. I know my talents. There's mm-hmm. a lot more that I could mm-hmm. have done to contribute to this project. But this is what I was assigned. And at the time, yeah, sometimes you just you, you shut up and you eat it. hmm. Right. Because you're just like, OK, if I keep doing these menial tasks and I keep doing mm-hmm. the oh, go yeah, for yeah, work, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. then one day they will
1: see me. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll, so they'll really me. pay attention yeah, they'll to me. pay attention to me yeah. and they'll
0: realize like oh my worth and what value I bring and that uh, very rarely happens
1: that's always the hope and dream is that like one day uh, my contributions will <laughs> they will care about me <laughs> and um, the one
2: day never comes no
1: like I'm still waiting <laughs> we're getting closer to like have the <laughs> yeah. tools and the confidence to
2: say something about yeah. it and
1: address those things yeah. but it's well, Slowly. yeah,, but I think, yeah. like something again, like the music industry, though, and I mean, I've never been a part of it, and I can't actually comment on like being it, but I imagine that the feeling is like, well, you're just lucky to be here, oh yeah, so For sure. like oh, shut yeah. up mm-hmm. and zip your mouth, and there's like, a million other youth exactly, yeah, oh,
0: there's a million other young kids who are dying to intern at Universal, who are dying to intern at Sony one hundred percent, yeah, and that was kind of like the like the underlying feeling that Mm -hmm. everybody had was that like well i'm happy to be here and i'm just so stoked and i'm you know one in a thousand of how many ever kids applied for this internship and i should just be grateful and this could potentially launch me into fucking stardom yeah if i use this keurig machine enough (laughs) (laughs) and you'll never use it enough it will die before you do yeah yeah oh, you will, will wear that keurig machine out. <laughs> yeah. before you get a promotion that keurig machine will fucking pooch on you <laughs> and then guess what you're gonna be asked to go get a new one yeah you're gonna have to go yeah. to walmart it's gonna be your job and yeah buy a new machine. <laughs> and then yeah. as soon as it's plugged in make another fucking coffee yeah so it's not really anything that has like an end goal to it where once you surpass that then it's great I get to graduate Mm -hmm, I get to mm -hmm. elevate I get to level up it's more of a hamster running in a circle because the owner has a perception in their mind of where this person fits
1: yeah and I guess you're also totally battling against like individuals perceptions and individuals gender biases exactly. and individuals like own things that they've dealt with and yep. they've grown up with and i mean we've even you know not like we've experienced but like we've worked with an organization here where there was so many women in leadership but those women in leadership were doing all of the like microaggressions to the younger women because they're like, well, yeah. I've dealt with this. Mm-hmm. This is what I did. Like, this is what I had to go through when I was coming up. So like, yep. you have to do the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. we're to break those cycles. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's really an important point to make is that this is absolutely not exclusive to men. Oh, oh yeah. Oh all. no. Yeah. It's not exclusive to men at all. There mm-hmm. are women who still kind of perpetrate in the same way. Uh and it can be for that reason that it either is something that they've dealt with on their own or it's an attitude that they've absorbed from their male counterparts. Right. Right. And they're also in a position of probably needing acceptance and needing some sort of mm-hmm. validation from people who are on the same playing field that they are. So, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. And I mean, I don't don't necessarily blame them for that for needing to to please their coworkers or please their bosses or whoever they report to, but when you're below them and you do report to them,
1: you blame them. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh. Because well, it's like they're part of the problem, yeah, not exactly. part of the solution. And you, yeah.
0: and a lot of times you get into situations where, you're like, oh my god, you know, my boss is a woman, or mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, you get so excited, and then you realize, oh my god, you're worse than them.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. a whole like underrepresentation, right? And there's only so many spots, so yeah. and I'm in it, and you're and not they want take to protect. Yeah. yeah,
0: they want to protect their spots. So God forbid that they find you to be smarter than them, mm-hmm. or they find you to be more capable. You're a threat. Yeah, you are a threat, and they. And just as I said, in any industry, they will do what they can to kind of keep you restricted to where you are. They want what you can bring to the table and they'll extract what they can, but only to a point. Right.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Oh,
2: God, so sad. So tell us about the genre of music you worked in and um, like how that played a role in any kind of unique um, dynamics around gender roles and any certain barriers that females would face based Mm -hmm. on the genre you worked in.
0: Yeah. So I worked predominantly in hip hop, R&B, urban music, and it is still my favorite. That is still where I want it to be. And I look back and I don't regret it, but there were definitely instances where I was just like, oh my God, there it's because I'm a woman. And there is still like an additional layer to this because I'll just grab my glass for this. As you guys (laughs) can see, I am black. Okay. I'm black. Okay. So that adds a particular layer of complexity Mm -hmm. to the dynamics and the type of interactions that I had with people, the labels that I worked with that represented hip hop artists and rap artists and R&B artists, uh, any artists in the urban genre. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Most labels, and I almost want to say all, but I'll just say most to be safe for now. So like I said, no one comes for us in the comments.
1: (laughs) These are our own stories and opinions. These are my own
0: personal experiences. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Regardless of it being like, you know, predominantly black genre, the executives and the decision makers were still white men. Mm. And that presented a bit of a challenge to me because I was you know, I had all these ideas and I knew about the background and the foundation and Mm -hmm. the history of this type of music. And I was just like, well, why are we doing this? Or that doesn't make sense. Or, hey, maybe that shouldn't be Mm -hmm. in our video treatment. We shouldn't have that in the music video. Like, these are not things that, you know, either the collective black culture would appreciate and those mm. conversations usually went over people's head and that's okay because again this is Canada and we're much different in terms of demographics and you know cultural depth than our american counterparts right but in terms of experiences i remember being at you know a video shoot and i was walking around basically rallying the makeup artists because it was time for them to do makeup for the extras who were going to be part of the video and I was stopped by a member of the artist team and a member of the management team who just looked at me and assumed I was a video girl
1: Mm. and I was
0: like I mean kind of a compliment
1: (laughs) you're like I mean
0: yeah obviously (laughs) I was like kind of a compliment but also like go to hell yeah I'm here running this shit yeah
1: (laughs) I'm I'm your boss, man. Yeah. I'm here telling
0: you guys what to do. I'm here telling the person who's telling you what to do, what to do. Yeah. Right. And at the time I remember being like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's a compliment. But then now obviously like 16 years later, I'm looking back and I'm like, oh my God, that is so insulting. Right. Where they just saw me walking around. Yeah. Did I look good maybe maybe I did but the just general assumption when they saw me was like oh okay like you know you're here to dance around Mm -hmm. in the video and I was trying to give instructions in terms of placement and I was trying to give instructions in terms of timing like okay you guys are going to go on in 40 minutes we can do a dress rehearsal with a CD Mm. player where we'll just play the song for you and you guys can practice and they weren't hearing it because they didn't see me or understand that I could possibly be wow. somebody who was putting together the video mm-hmm. shoot. Mm-hmm. They just saw me and they were like, okay, yeah, you're just one of the girls who's oh, dancing in there. And, God. you know, that's part of it too, right? Like there's just perception, and that perception of you will influence how you are treated, right? How people respond to you and how they engage with you. If they look at you and they, in their mind, they see, you know, a CEO, or they see an executive director, or they see a manager, they see, you know, the head of a board, they will approach you in that way. And they will speak to you in that way, Mm -hmm. if you fit the image in their mind of what that looks like, right. And if you don't, and if they think, you know, you're just a video girl, or you're just the receptionist, or you are just somebody kind of on a a lower level, then you'll feel that in the way that they talk to you. Mm -hmm. And That was one instance, that particular video where I was just like, oh, my goodness, like, I don't know if this is ever going to get better. Like, does that mean I should, you know, stop doing my makeup when I go out? Does that mean I should stop doing my hair? What do I have to change about me so that when people see me, they have a different interpretation of the role that I play? And I don't think that that is a safe or healthy way for any woman to feel you should be able to show up as who you really are totally yeah and be respected for the work that you do but again like i said it's just a different ball game when not only are you working in the music industry but you're working in kind of the urban genre where there are distinct lines between how men are treated and how women are treated
1: Okay. So you obviously mentioned that you started in this industry very young. You were 19. Um, And I'm just curious about like, how did the fact that you were a young, black, hot, I'm going to say hot woman, um, you know, I mean, and that's very (laughs) objectifying, but like you are nice to look at. Um, But how did that influence your success in this industry? Because obviously, apart from being nice to look at you have a very very gigantic brain and you're very capable of so many things and so like what was that like knowing that you're so capable but also having the way that you look impact how you move through it
0: so i will say that just like with all of us yeah how we appear is the first impression right like you're you only get one chance to make a first impression and sometimes how you look precedes everything else that there is about you. In these spaces, especially when, you know, you're working in like urban genres where there is a distinct level of objectification, whether or not it's for entertainment purposes is regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that there was a lot of assumption that it was either brains or good looks. It could never be both. Mm. <laughs> it could never be both. And, Once people realized that I looked the way that I looked, but I also knew what I knew, something had to be stifled because it could only be one. And what had to be stifled was the easiest thing. And that would have been what I knew and what I could do because that's what they could control. You can't control how I dress. You can't control how I do my makeup. You can't control how Mm -hmm. I do my hair. That's me at my house before I get into your building. Mm -hmm. But you can control what I work on. You can control what ideas I give you or I present and how they basically expand into the work that we do. You can take my ideas and you can run with them or you can just shut them down and tell me, Hey, no, that sucks. Even though in your mind, you know that they're, Mm -hmm. they're really fucking good. Uh, So in that sense, um, There was definitely a lot of surprise where, and I I say this based on the fact that I'm also a Black woman. It was very surprising for people to be like, oh my God, okay, not only does she look this way, but she's also super educated and she knows what she's talking about and she has good ideas and she's intelligent and... She has something to contribute in terms of ideas. It can be overwhelmed because not only stereotypes, but again, this perceptions that we were talking about that people might have of you before you even walk in a room, just based on how you look, they will pick and choose aspects of you that they're willing to accept and the rest of them they're going to reject, right? Regardless of whether or not they are uh, authentic.
1: Or like based on fact.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Whether or not they're real. Yeah. And, you know, that was something that I had to come to terms with very early on, where I was just like, okay, well, you know, why is no one listening to me? Like, I'm telling mm-hmm. them good things. Or why did I just have this conversation with my boss? But then when we went to a bigger meeting with everybody, he spit my idea out and didn't give me credit, mm-hmm. saying like, okay, hey, we have a roster of songwriters on our label. and I had presented at one time, like, hey, there's this one song that these songwriters wrote, and I think it should go to Fallout Boy. This sounds like a song Fallout Boy should sing. And at the time when I presented to them, they were like, mm, yeah, mm, I don't know. Then we had our weekly meeting, and that was the first thing off the tip of his tongue. And they were like, holy fuck, this is a perfect fit for Fallout Boy. And I was like, I'm dead.
1: <laughs> I'm dead.
0: And I'm like, I know. That's why I said it. And in my head, there's still a little bit of indication because I'm like, okay, they responded positively to my idea, even though it didn't come directly from me. Yeah. But that is not enough to keep you like motivated no. No. to continue giving out your good ideas. Obviously, you want some sort of recognition for of the course. ideas that yeah. that you have. But I had to navigate it in a way where I understood that the way that I looked was not going to be completely accepted with my brain with the things that I knew and the level, the education that I had and the intelligence. And again, it's all very stereotyped too, right? People weren't ready for the combination that I had at the time. And that's okay because, you know, I worked through life and went from here to there and pivoted and then did more school and then got awards and then did more school after that. And then found myself in a place where like, I'm given the autonomy to, make decisions Mm -hmm. and, you know, really change the way that things run in a completely different sector. But at that time, um, I feel like there was definitely a lot of kind of stereotypical assumptions about what I was, or who I was, and what I was capable of doing. And when they saw that I was much more than that, they didn't know what to do with it. So what do you do with something that you're unfamiliar with? It will cause fear and you will shut it out. Mm -hmm. Or on the flip side, you will exploit it. And there was both of those things that happened through various organizations and different record labels that I worked at. There were some that were like, okay, well, no, you're going to stay in where you're going to stay at. And this is what you do. And we don't need anything more from you. And then there were other places that were like, okay, tell me your ideas. I'll take them up higher, but you'll never get any credit for it. Mm. So I see things that still happen to this day and like especially like I mean that was a really long time ago and I remember like you know I'd watch things in certain music videos or I would watch things uh, that would unfold on like social media and I would say okay like you know I was part of that or like I had that idea or when I would see certain singles released in a certain order or I would see on an album listing songs going in a certain order and I'd be like that was You know, that was me. And Mm. for me, that's okay. Like in my heart, I'm just like, I said that I told them release this song, they came to me and said, Hey, which of these two songs should be the single I said this one, they made that choice. And then it blew up. And it's really validating because I'm like, Okay, well, look, you know, you got Grammys, you got, you know, platinum. Right. Selling numbers like you guys were successful with that and I had a role in it. So for me, you know, I sleep well at night. But, you know, in terms of what that's like for maybe people who came after me, you really have to have a strong mind and like a strong sense of self so that other people don't, you know, minimize and devalue who you are based on what you look like and what you sound like, because there still is unconscious bias that comes through in your day-to-day regardless yeah. of what you do in the industry mm-hmm.
1: that's so heavy because you obviously can't change how you look and so then like, yeah like and I nor think, should you right no, like you're not going to down yeah no I never would yeah either that's just something that I feel like women always deal with like so you know like currently I'm wearing a toque and ripped jeans and like if I walked into somewhere people might be like she's scuzzy or whatever but it's like oh but do you know that like this is what i do and like these are my qualifications like no one would ask that they just like look at me and they're like you have tattoos you must be like a you know whatever and then whatever
0: comes out of your mouth is already starting from a deficit in terms of their like interpretation where they're like oh look at her she's got a sleeve and her jeans are ripped and she's wearing (laughs) a fucking beanie
1: and we're inside 40
0: yeah it's It's 40 but we're inside (laughs) So what's
1: wrong with her? Yeah, she cold, (laughs) but her knee is gets really hot, which is why it needs to be ripped. Um, (laughs) This is why we can't trust anything that comes (laughs) out of her mouth. (laughs) No cred, you guys, I have no cred. That's such an unfair disadvantage that I think Mm -hmm. all women automatically have. Like like, I've even examples of like weather women when they're like doing the weather or like people on TV and they're like, she wore that blazer four weeks ago. Didn't that happen like
0: super recently? And didn't she go on air to call out the people who were making fun of what oh, she was yeah. wearing? No, it's because
1: was... she had like a, she kind of had like a, she just was not like a size two. And they said <laughs> that she was fat or something. Right. And then she was like, you don't know what's going on. And like, yeah. don't talk about people's bodies and all of these things. And she called them out, which I thought was very rad. But I
0: remember seeing the clip where she's like, to everyone who was concerned. <laughs> yeah. And I was like tell them yeah yeah and that's them. and that's really what has you know what has to happen at this point I mean obviously if your job's not on the line because shit is expensive but yeah like <laughs> yeah if you are in a position where you can yeah. tell somebody off uh-huh do it with your chest yeah 10 toes down like at this point everybody knows better yeah speak truth to power yeah and if you have to tell people off and you have to tell them like I heard what you said. I don't agree with it. That's not right. Basically, F off. I appreciate that because I saw the clip of her basically clapping back at them, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure about what actually started it.
1: I think they just like, I think just this person comment. had been yeah. harassing her. Yeah. Like and had been like consistently commenting oh, the on the like, same person. I, yeah. That's yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. But, well, or even if it was like a different person, I feel like after a certain point, people continue to comment on your body and you're like, okay, but like, what I'm, what about what I'm saying yeah. to you? <laughs> you right, so like, that's like, not my the weather. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. What wearing. Yeah.
0: Like, and you see, that's part of it, too, because like that is the privilege that men have is like they just show up and mm-hmm. whatever they want to wear. And no one gives a shit because men don't give a shit because they probably wear that, too. And women don't give a shit because we're not fucking thinking about that. No. Yeah. I want to hear what you have to say. Is it useful? Yes. If it's not, change the channel. Yeah. But for women, there's just this unspoken expectation that everything has to be perfect. Every hair better be in place. Mm -hmm. And your outfit better be on point and perfectly flatter your body. And if anything is perceptibly Imperfect, it is cause for fucking uproar, and it's fucking tiring.
1: Well, it's like oh. it can't be too fancy, but it no, can't no, it be can... not fancy mm-hmm. enough. You can't be trying too hard, but you have to try. Yeah, try
2: enough. <laughs> like, there's, there's just, just the no Barbie. winning. <laughs> I know. Insert Barbie monologue. Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: we've yeah. done the Barbie monologue a few times, and yeah. there's just no winning.
2: No, absolutely no. not. So, well, as we close here, tell us um if you can, if you would kind of why you moved out of the music scene and to where you are today and if that had anything to do with the way you were treated and um, like what your hopes are for Mm -hmm. the music industry and the way it treats women in the future
0: yeah so I'm definitely didn't have enough bad experiences like oh my god fuck this I'm Mm -hmm. out I enjoyed my time I know that the work that I did was impactful and I still see it to this day so I don't ever look back on that time in my life as a a bad experience or as something that was not enjoyable. I had fun. Were there some questionable moments now that I'm more educated and aware Mm. of what those dynamics were as an older woman? I can look back and be like, "Mm, okay, yeah, that was kind of fucked up and probably shouldn't have happened. Um, But in the moment overall, I had a good experience and I was successful and I still carry that with me till this day. However, when it comes to pivoting out of the industry, once I realized like, hey, I have brains bigger than what we can do, what can happen in the music industry, I didn't want to just focus on other people because that's essentially what you're doing Mm -hmm. when you work there. Like Mm -hmm. when you work in it, you are focused on... The artist you're focused on the person who is supposed to be the star the person who's supposed to be the celebrity right. who you're basically working to propel into stardom right because once they propel into stardom it's a return on investment and then you get the money back that you mm-hmm. put into them when they were an unknown as an anr right. at the open mic yeah <laughs> right so that's the full cycle um but once i realized like hey i have ideas for other things. I have ideas for stuff that is not music. I have ideas for law, I have ideas for regulation, I have ideas for policy. I pivoted and that is when I ended up saying like, "Hey, let's see what happens if I start applying to some masters programs." And that's what ended up getting me my master's of public policy here back home. And I was so happy because back home accepted me. So I had an excuse to come home and be with family, which was very, very timely because six months later, the world shut down. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You're like, okay, thank God. Thank God I wasn't (laughs) in
0: Ontario when that happened. So it actually worked out really, really well. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a position where, you know, I pretty much have flexible, not free, but free within the confines of legislation to, you know, make changes to regulation and how we regulate members of a certain profession. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is super fulfilling as well, Mm -hmm. because I get to have ideas and say, hey, this doesn't work. Hey, this does work. What can we do to change this? Or how can we enhance this? And that brings me, you know, a type of fulfillment in terms of My like intellectual capacity where I can say Mm -hmm. like, hey, I thought about this. Can we do something with my idea? And then I've got uh, a boss that I report directly to uh, my executive director, Mm -hmm. who is flexible and progressive and willing to do anything that, you know, makes our work better. Right. Amazing. And as much as I loved the time that I was in the music industry, I'm also very keenly aware of the effect that age will have on you because that's also another fun thing that women get to deal Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. when when they're working, right?
2: Everybody deals with, but only women have to pay for that. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) So as much as like as much fun as it was in in my 20s, once I realized like, hey, not only do I want to make serious money that is not you know 100% contingent on the performance of yeah. you know music in the world. Uh, I also want to be able to drive change with my ideas mm-hmm. and use my big brains that are not solely focused on just music, but can be extrapolated to other areas. Uh, I ended up in in regulation, and it's been a great ride so far, and I've been able to you know make some changes and adapt some new processes into what we do but thankfully in this position all of us are women so Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. i love we don't
0: really have much of these same issues that i used to struggle (laughs) with and you know if you're in a place where you know your colleagues and the women who are around you know what's good you will thrive Mm -hmm. And I think we're in a place now where if you act outside of what's expected of you, like if you're still ignorant and you're still acting like an idiot and you're offending everybody and you're just a piece of shit, you're going to get called out on it. So it's nice that we have these conversations and that people are aware of what can and can't be said. And if it bothers you that you can't say something, then I hope you are scared and don't say it anyway. Mm hmm. Right. And we're in a position now that these conversations are being had about what is appropriate and what's not. And as long as you are scared enough to not say those things in the positions that you're in, that's all we're looking for. So I know that that was my scary at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But for anybody who's out there who is just like, oh my God, I hate all this shit and I hate not being able to say what I think. Don't say it and do that scared.
1: <laughs> I like that. Good full circle. It came around. It, didn't came, it? it all came nice bow on top of that. Well, With that, like, is there anything else that you want to provide listeners with in terms of like what the impact is of the gender barriers in the music industry or like any last little bit of do this, don't do this, or like, here's my quick experience. Wisdom or advice. You know,
0: the one thing that I will say, and it may not have sounded like this in the answers that I gave it, but there are a ton of successful, amazing women who are in the music industry Mm -hmm. who are high up who are doing what they need to do. It might've been different 15 years ago. Who knows? It might have evolved since then, but I don't want to discourage anybody from chasing their dreams or from, you know, deciding that they want to become an A&R, that they want to become a label manager. All of those things are still possible. And there are women who are changing things every day. Yeah. I guess what I want to part with, is don't be afraid to be that change you wish to see. Don't let what has happened in the past or historically keep you away from the goals that you have and the dreams that you have. You can still go forth and chase what it is that you want and make sure that you are living the life that you want to live without having any fear that people are going to stop you because there are people in the positions that you want to be in who look and sound and talk just like
1: you. I feel like every time we ask this, they like just provide the perfect little like (laughs) trailer opener. Thank you. Thank you for providing us with the intro um, for this episode. Um, And thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom and sharing your stories. And yeah, it was so I've learned so much. I hate that you had to go through so many things as you did. Uh, But I feel like if anyone were to do it, you were the best person to do it and to like make waves and hopefully leave an impact. And I think you did leave an impact. For sure. Yeah.
0: And you know what, at the end of the day, like, like I said, looking back, are you like, Oh my God, that's kind of fucked up. But in the moment when you're ready to hustle, you'll do what you need to do. And that's what I, again, Want to reiterate is that if you got the hustle in you and you've got that fire, go for it because there are people above you now. Shit has changed. It's not the same that it used to be. And people are around who look like you and are willing to help you move forward. And as long as you have your eye on the prize, use them as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Love it.
1: Love it. Love it. Thank, Thank you, Katie. you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
2: I always love when we have Mm -hmm. guests that really are open to sharing their nitty gritty personal stories and, um, just expertise and katie is so diversified and oh my gosh, she's so a wealth of knowledge we actually went to high school with her so yeah. we feel pretty lucky yeah um but just so eye-opening to hear about the music industry i feel like it's so glamorous and like when you hear oh you yeah know someone who's involved it's like wow um but obviously there's some raw real yeah. unfortunate things happening all the time so yeah. you may be thinking what are some of the key reasons that women are women are paid less than men in the music industry. I mean, we talked about the generalized, generalized things that we're seeing across all industries, but what are the main reasons? Um, so the gender pay gap in the music industry, as in many, is a complex issue with various contributing factors. So some of the reasons, and I'll just kind of go through the high level. Okay. So occupational segregation, women in the music industry are concentrated in certain roles, such as the marketing admin and support roles which are typically undervalued. Another one is gender stereotypes and bias, which we kind of chatted about already. So I Mm -hmm. won't get too deep into that one. Negotiation challenges. We know that women, confidence and connections are two challenges for women. So the ability to negotiate those contracts Mm -hmm. with ease and confidence is also a struggle to get those higher salaries and portions of the, the mix. Unequal access to opportunities Less women in the, in those uh, areas. So Mm -hmm. less opportunities to be sponsored and mentored and pulled up into, you know, the tables that you need to be at uh, for advancement. Just industry norms and cult- and culture in general, there's a lot of discrimination, objectification, and harassment, and that is part ingrained in this culture oh, yeah. and it's been like that for decades histories um and so it's hard to break those those cultures and create that real yeah. change. There's also the motherhood penalty that we all know true well, and this doesn't uh this still exists in the music industry mm-hmm. as well. they're not immune to that. Lack of transparency. This is a big one. And I think Katie mentioned it is just like, no one really knows what anyone yeah. else makes. And you don't really share it because you can't put a, there's not a range for an artist. Like it's just, True. it is what we, we yeah. tell you based on who you are and your brand. Mm-hmm. Age and experience discrimination is another one. And then of course, intersectionality. So, Overall, addressing the gender pay gap in the music industry really requires that multifaceted approach, as we always know, and as we talk about it pretty much in every episode, that involves promoting diversity, challenging those unconscious biases, Mm -hmm. fostering
1: transparency, and really implementing the policies that support equal opportunities and fair compensation. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the question is then, what is the industry's plan to change the current gender pay gap? in the music industry. When looking for a solution, the women in the Spanish music industry surveyed said that the important factors in changing the current situation would be training, transparency of information, and networking. In addition to that, as history always points out, is that we need movements in order to change the current situation. So here's only a few movements from the many that we found uh, hopeful to help create a better future for women in the music industry. So, for example, in October, UK Music launched their 10-point plan to increase diversity across the business. It mm. contains strategic actions to help increase diversity and b- boost inclusion at the trade bodies that represent the majority of the music industry in the UK. The 10-point plan includes supporting socially engaged organizations, diversifying their boards, and setting diversity target targets for staff like spending an allocated amount of annual recruitment budget to ensure a diverse candidate pool or allocating a certain amount of annual training budget on a 12 month diversity, continuing professional development slash training program to ensure fair career opportunities for all. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The next is women in music. Uh, (laughs) Wim. for short, was founded in 1985 and is the largest and longest running nonprofit organization to advance equality, visibility, and opportunities for women in the musical arts through education, support, empowerment, and recognition. They involve women who are currently working in senior and executive positions to advocate for more mm-hmm. gender equality. Love yeah. it. Awesome Wim also organizes educational career development and networking opportunities to come closer to their goals. so they're doing the work that's involved. Mm-hmm. So what else can be done? well, we are we are well aware that snapping our fingers isn't going to bring immediate and permanent change to the industry, but there are some smaller changes that can get us there. So pay transparency, as we already talked about, just Having some more visible pay transparency and taking away that culture, that toxic culture of being not told, like told that we can't talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, and getting rid of the secrecy around salary is beneficial to men and women and gender diverse people. It could even lead to people working harder to get the bigger roles because they can see the bigger picture. Just everyone understands, you know, that we're all a cog in the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, job advertisements listing salaries, as we mentioned in a past episode, it's, I think, in Ontario and BC, it's like now like legally required that they have to list that um, but going into a job knowing exactly what the pay is means that people know what they're expected to do mm-hmm. and finally publish action plans with timelines so another attempt at transparency means that not only can these industry giants be held accountable but everyone can see which companies are dedicated to positive change for women so what can you do well whether or not you uh, you have a huge following on social media Use your voice, no matter who you are, who you talk to about these stats, share them around, talk about them, make it more visible for everyone. The more people that know, the more people who can stand against this blatant misogyny. Men and women need to unite together to spark this overdue change. So yes. With that, thank you for joining us today as we confronted these terrifying but real statistics impacting women and girls. Next week, we will be diving into part two of our Barbie series. It's the fallout time. Mm. So stay tuned for more ways to make a positive change and impact. Together, we can make the world a little less scary for women and girls. And be sure to follow us as always on Instagram
2: at Co. and at scaries.podcast and on our TikTok channel at Co. And remember that change starts with awareness and action. So thank you so much for being a part of the Scaries community and making this world a little less scary for it to exist as a woman.
1: Bye.